Hello, hello, hello. My name is Kay, and you're watching Comics First on Comics First TV. I'm here with Phil Jimenez. So how does it feel to be here a second year? Uh, it feels extraordinary, and I'm a little stunned and really thrilled about how much bigger it is. Um, it feels twice as vibrant. I can't wait to actually see what the traffic flows tomorrow. If this extends through both days, I I think this is going to set a precedent for years to come. You feel that it's definitely gotten more traffic than last year, even though the intimacy is still there, though, I feel. Um, I think, actually, that's what's amazing about the show. The intimacy remains. I can have fans sit with me. I can hang out um, with with passerby, with friends and peers, it's incredibly intimate. And yet, um, the table size, the number of tables has doubled. The scale of the space itself um, is is actually overwhelming to me. And yet, it, re it maintains a sense of community, uh, which I think is really important at this convention. Just to switch gears a little bit, I kind of wanted to get into your origin story a little bit because okay. you know I've looked into what you've done. You've you know, you've been so prolific in both your art and your writing, but you've also been on TV panels. You've worked with various different people. I mean, I'm sure there was no way of predicting that that would all happen, but kind of like, where did it all start pretty much? Like, where did you start drawing first or writing first? Did you know what you wanted to do? Uh, did you start reading comics really early? Just give me an idea of like kind of your origin story. Um, so in a nutshell, my secret origin, I was one of those kids that was always drawing, even from the time I was three or four, from the time I could hold a pencil. Um, but I drew dinosaurs and animals, and I, when I was a kid, I thought I was going to work at a zoo or wild animal park or a museum. I had no idea I was ever going to do cartoons or comics, um, although I did love those TV shows, and I loved comic book-related uh, um, cartoons and things like that. It wasn't until high school where I met someone Two friends of mine, two twins, um, yes, uh, brother and sister who read comics. They saw that I could draw, asked if I could copy some images from the comics they were reading, and that's what got me into comics, and they were X-Men comics. Once I started reading them, I fell in love with the idea of narrative storytelling, and I decided to copy them. By the end of high school, I'd made 50 of my own comics, um, and they were all badly, you know, bad copies with my friends as X-Men, but not X-Men which happens a lot. And by that time, I decided that I wanted to write and draw comic books. Um, I moved to New York City, pursued that goal, went to school. Two years later, I was hired for my first job. And I've been working ever since. I never expected um, the sort of life that I had. I just, I, I never expected to travel. I never expected to be on TV. I never expected to be interviewed by people or to be a featured guest at a convention like this. None of that occurred to me when I was younger. I just knew that I wanted to write and draw comic books for a living. So um, I guess if you had to break it down that drawing came first, whether you meant to or not. Um, I think the drawing came first, but what really came first, and I only, I, I've told this story many times, Diane Nelson, the president of DC Comics, once said that the reason you loved museums and the reason you loved zoos and the reason you loved these things was because of the stories they told. So if I would see an old dusty diorama at a museum of dinosaurs posed, there's still a story. And, um, and so she said, and I believe it, that drawing for me is a means to tell stories. Um, and even if I couldn't draw, I would find another way to tell them. But for me, that's where my skill set is, is drawing. And so that's why I think I enjoy drawing so much. All right, cool. So then um, I guess I'm sure you're very familiar with this. Um, 
as a I identify as a creative as well. Obviously not nearly as prolific in any way. But uh, that being said, um, I know I understand that illustration or writing or even animation, anything like that can be very isolating or very lonely depending on what kind of person you are. Some people find that they find comfort in having that control over their own work or being able to have the, like the only hands that will touch their work is them. But on the other hand, like you've said, and um, like I uh, said earlier, for, you've worked with like Grant Morrison, you've worked with other big names. Um, I'm just wondering, do you have a preference um, on whether, or do you have a preference between working alone and working in groups, or is it kind of circumstantial? Um, the nature of our business is that we often work by ourselves unless we work in a studio. But I find that the thing I love most about our business is it's collaborative. A lot of artists want more control over their work. I like some control, but I don't need to have it total control. For example, I love working with colorists because they always view my work through a different lens. And 90% of the colorists I work with make it a thousand times better than I ever would. Just because that's their training, they see the work, they interpret it so differently, sometimes so less literally, and they bring to it a, a completely different skill set. So I actually like working with other people. I kind of wish I could work with people more often, more, more directly. A lot of the work that we do now, the way I work with someone is via email um, and a, an occasional phone call. But I would love to sit in a studio, I think, at this day and age and actually have a couple of other collaborators with me to bounce ideas off. That said, uh, because I'm a freelancer, I have a crazy schedule, so often I work at three in the morning or two in the afternoon. I'm napping when everyone else is busy. Um, so I would have to be a much more disciplined artist, I think, to get into that groove. But I do love working with other people. So um, that's a perfect jump off point for my next question. Uh, I guess I, I kind of know the answer already, but I want to hear why. Um, do you have a, even a preference between uh, writing, just writing versus drawing? Because I know I understand that you've drawn for other people. And you've also written and drawn your own work, which is supposedly ideal. But I kind of wanted to get an idea of what, um, yeah, what you like about all those. So I've often said the only reason I write and draw for myself is when nobody else is writing me something that I want to draw. Or if I have something so specific to say that for whatever egotistical reason, I feel like I'm the one to say it. Otherwise, I've had the great joy of working with some of the best writers in this business. Um, Warren Ellis, Gail Simone, Grant Morrison, Jeff Johns, like all of them. And that's what they do. They're amazing at that. So I'm, I'm often very happy to let them do the writing. I will draw their stories for them and I'm content. I tend to write only when, um, again, I feel like I have something very specific to say and I want to attach those words to my pictures. But I, I say let the experts do the writing for the most part. Um, also, I, I find I'm very precious with my writing, sometimes a little too much. And I think they often say you have to be able to kill your babies when you're creating. And I'm not so great at that all the time. And so I get really, without a really good editor, I think I, I get way too myopic. So I say, unless I've got something important to say, let the, other, let the writers do the job. And I'll, I'll happily draw their comics. Do you think that you would ever get a different artist? How, like, do you ever look at other artists and think, like, 
I would like them to do this thing for me, or not necessarily. Um, honestly, I have to say, I have a very difficult time writing for other artists because so much of what I do is figured out on the page. And so to, to prep work for them requires so much forward thinking. And I can't demand of them what I would demand of me. Um, so, and I, that was never my dream, was to write comics for other artists. I wanted to draw them. And again, I, uh, I don't think I'm very good at it. Uh, I, I can, but I think I, if I'm ever going to write for someone, I should write for me. Um, I have a rotating artist on Superwoman who's amazing, and she's so, so patient with me because I'll write something, and then I'll realize, oh, if I was to draw, I would have included this in the background, and I'll send her an email. I know it's, if it's not too late, can you add this? And she has been so gracious, gracious beyond words. Um, but I feel terrible for her every day. She has to work for me. No, I mean, but I guess that's like a, a nice little segue into just how does it feel to write or draw for Superwoman right now? The Rebirth Superwoman, rather. Um, it has been very successful, which I'm very grateful for. Um, more than expected. I keep saying I feel a little, still a little awkward about um, writing the adventures of two women. Um, you know, trying to make sure that those voices are authentic and real. And at first, I almost didn't take the job. Um, I'm hoping that I'm doing the work justice. I've been trying very hard to listen to what women have to say about it. Um, if the voices read as legitimate, authentic, if if uh, the sense of humor isn't sexist, you know, if I wanted, I'm writing a story about two women who might not be friends, but I don't want them to be catty to each other, right? right? So like. My, my goal was actually to write about two people who don't like each other but understand that they're better together than if they're apart. So they're better as partners and th than working separately. And what is that like? And so um, I'm very grateful for the opportunity. I'm grateful it's been so well received. I hope it remains, the voices remain authentic as long as I'm on the project. It's, I'm very concerned about that. Well, I think that that's amazing because, I mean, I was going to mention this earlier, but, um, you know, you've become almost, I don't want to, I'll just say it. You've become kind of like almost a celebrity or a spokesperson for, like, certain marginalized groups, I feel like. Or, like, I feel like, um, you know, people have identified when, like, I guess when you first came out, like, there were letters that were saying, like, I didn't know I was alone. And I think that not just in sexuality, but in all, in a lot of ways, you have become a voice maybe through your com like maybe through your projects or maybe just you yourself have become like kind of this really strong influence on people how does that feel like to be kind of to have that influence over people and be a role model kind of so i take <clears throat> the, the notion of being a role model I take very very seriously i think anyone in a position of influence someone who has impact culturally um, must take that very seriously, right? Like, that's how I personally feel like. And so I have, I have all these mixed feelings about my positioning. Um, I'm grateful for it in ways I can't describe. Um, very few people have the opportunity to speak for others, let alone themselves. Conversely, I'm in this body. I, I think one of the reasons I can do it so easily is because most people see me as a white guy, right? Um, the queer part might might throw that, but um, 
one of the things that makes me a little uncomfortable these days as I get older is speaking for other people who could and should be speaking for themselves. Um, I'm just, but as long as I have the forum and an, and an avenue, I see it as my ethical and moral responsibility to represent everyone uh, that I draw and write about and people who are in my lives as authentically and honestly and as positively as possible. Um, hoping that if I stumble, the, the intent will be enough to at least make room for an apology, you know, like, so anyway, I, I take it very seriously. My, my goal remains to ultimately get out of the way. If I've cleared this little path and like, let the people, let any group of people speak for themselves. Like th those are the voices I feel like need to be heard now. I feel like not that I've done my job, but they don't need to hear my voice anymore. They need to hear their voices. But I think that that's what's really amazing because you're very, you're very uh, self-aware, which is already much more than a lot of people can say. I think, and I think that you've taken a really like you've taken it, with your amazing self-awareness, you've been able to take stock of you know being grateful and then also being able to give for, give a platform for other artists or creators or just anyone who identifies in a certain way and I think that's really amazing and the fact that you know you were so worried about um, being authentic with Superwoman and I mean I don't think I've, I've interviewed a lot of people I don't think anyone worries about that necessarily I mean like maybe authentic to the old character of it but you are considering like the authenticity and thinking about who's reading it and um, who's going to be influenced by these characters as well and I'm sure most creators are thinking that, but to hear it being so eloquently put by you is really comforting. So oh, thank I'm, you. I'm glad I, I think about it all the time, and I fight for certain things, and I feel like I'm not fighting hard enough. But it was one of the things that I, I've had, one of, the, one of the things I'm really grateful for, so I teach at the School of Visual Arts, and a lot of my students, um, some of them were queer, some women, um, some people of color, their success, thrills me. I get very emotional about it. Just because just because it means like like you said, I'll get out of the way as long as they follow through. Yeah. I think that is really amazing and you know, I think my last question would be how do you cuz it seems like you think a lot about it, which is so appreciated, but how do you especially in a world where like Quote, like being quote unquote PC is hip right now, or like not hip, but like some people are taking it as such. Um, how is how is it how has it been for you to try and create these really authentic three dimensional characters, represent them well without making it feel too campy or forced? Because you know when I when I've read the stuff, it doesn't feel that way. But there have been instances in other ones where it's like. Wow, like pushing the feminist agenda, guys. And like, so how do you avoid that? Or how do you kind of check back with yourself? Because I'm sure it's hard. Um, well, truthy thing. So I'm trying to literally, no joke, like the fans are hanging out at my table, like their voices for me. And what I like is they'll check me if I'm doing something wrong. Either resources for me to make sure I'm doing something right. So I feel like the fans will tell me when what I'm doing is right or wrong. That's one thing. Um, she was just, I live in New York City. I think that helps immensely. So listening and just listening 
as much as I talk, obviously, which I talk way too much, just listening on the street, listening at the McDonald's, uh, going to a high school and listening, what are they talking about? How are they talking about? How are they saying it? What language are they using? What's important to them? Um, uh, that, I think, is more important than anything. And then translate what I'm what I believe I'm hearing, I mean, it's through my lens, but hopefully I'm thoughtful enough in whatever way and like putting it out there. And then I just, I, I believe, going back to that notion of being a role model, I'm not quite sure this answers your question. And there are a few of us in the business. When we're put in a position of influence, um, you know, I don't really care what people accuse me of. Like, yeah, I'm gonna push a feminist agenda, yes. Um, every character I introduce, until they tell me no, and Superwoman will be a woman or a person of color, and I'm going to introduce them in a positive light. Like, I have no problem with that, right? Like, as long as I can do that, that's my job. Um, because that's the only way change happens. Change is, like, I, nothing makes me crazier, I will end on this note, than the notion of, oh, it has to happen organically in a story. The world itself, yeah. <laughs> like, like that's not how it works, right? Change happens. It's not organic. Like, change yeah. happens when you make it happen, when you push against forces who don't want it. And so as long as I am able to, I'm going to be one of those people that push against it. Well, thank you. That's well said. I mean, <laughs> I don't, I mean, I can't, I'm not going to say anything because I'm going to ruin the moment. But I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Phil uh, Jimenez, for talking to me today. Uh, thank you for watching, viewers. Uh, remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Comics First TV. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, all of those fun things. And don't forget to check out our website, www.comicsfirst.com, for in depth comics analysis. You'll see a lot of good content about Phil Jimenez as well. Uh, thank you again for talking to me. It was such a pleasure. And uh, don't go changing. Uh, you're watching Comics First.